Vigor, Steve here. Okay, so let's briefly explain how growth hormone secretagogues actually work. So you're up to speed with the basics of human biology and understand the intricacies on how to maximize your growth hormone output with these kinds of performance enhancing drugs. Growth hormone is secreted from the pituitary gland in a pulsatile fashion throughout the day, where the highest pulse generally occurs while sleeping. In the earlier stages of sleep, it seems that growth hormone secretion is augmented in the presence of melatonin. Most people have anywhere between three to five larger pulses of growth hormone and anywhere between five to seven smaller pulses of growth hormone over a 24 hour period. Now this varies greatly from individual to individual. It seems that the frequency of these pulses doesn't decline with age, but as you get older, the peaks of these growth hormone pulses gets less and less and less. More on that later on. High intensity aerobic exercise and vigorous resistance training can also stimulate growth hormone secretion. This response is often referred to as exercise induced growth hormone release. Specifically, exercise training above the lactate threshold for at least 10 minutes consecutively. So that's not high intensity interval training. You need to go balls to the wall for 10 minutes straight or longer. Can even amplify the pulsatile release of growth hormone at rest over a 24 hour period following this exercise activity. Full fasting from food for at least 24 hours also has a pronounced effect on growth hormone secretion, where the highest growth hormone secretion is observed after fasting for two days or longer. Now it's said that intermittent fasting can also increase growth hormone levels, albeit that these effects are not as pronounced as actual real full fasting for multiple days in duration. So long story short, sleeping according to your circadian rhythm, exercising vigorously and incorporating periods of complete caloric restriction will enhance growth hormone secretion quite notably. And trust me when I say this, I tried my absolute best to find scientific evidence that supports that intercourse raises growth hormone secretion, but I couldn't find any. That being said, it is known that intercourse lowers cortisol levels quite substantially and improves overall stress response. And we do know that cortisol has a blunting and inhibitory effect on growth hormone secretion. I'm sure you can deduce the rest and schedule some intercourse in right before bed. Growth hormone secretion is induced by two endocrine peptide hormones, growth hormone releasing hormone released by the hypothalamus and ghrelin released by the stomach. The pulsatile release of growth hormone is actually being caused by the pulsatile release of growth hormone releasing hormone, which levels rise when blood glucose levels are somewhat low and throughout sleep. Alpha-2 adrenergic stimulation with compounds like guanfacine, which is an attention deficit hyperactivity disorder medication, can enhance a growth hormone releasing hormone secretion from the hypothalamus. Luckily, alpha-2 adrenergic blockades with compounds like yohimbine or rubolcine isn't known to reduce GHRA secretion and serum growth hormone levels downstream. GHRH secretion is inhibited by circulating IGF-1 levels and the activation of GABAergic neurons. Keep in mind that while GABA supplementation has been proven to enhance growth hormone secretion, GABAergic medications have the complete opposite effect. These include benzodiazepines and baclofen, which is a muscle relaxant. So if you want to optimize your growth hormone secretion, I would forego and omit those from your protocol. Somatostatin opposes the effects of GHRH and inhibits growth hormone secretion from the pituitary gland. Somatostatin is also known as growth hormone inhibiting hormone, GHIH. It is released in the intestinal tract and in the stomach in response to eating. And even the brain can release somatostatin when serum growth hormone levels are high. So you have a negative feedback loop there directly 
in the brain. And while you can reduce somatostatin levels tremendously with fasting, the regulatory feedback within the brain can't be modified. Somatostatin inhibitors have been investigated but aren't commercially available, so unfortunately we can't put any somatostatin blockade in place to eat to our heart's desire when we take GHRP6 or MK677. Somatostatin also inhibits the release of thyroid-stimulating hormone, TSH, prolactin, insulin, glucagon, and even reduces gastric emptying, but that's alongside glucagon-like peptide 1 and gastric inhibitory polypeptides, also known as glucose-dependent insulinotropic peptide, whatever you prefer. Uh, there is some scientific evidence that shows that GLP-1, uh, perhaps in combination with GIP receptor agonists, have a, a beneficial modulatory effect on growth hormone secretion, albeit that scientific evidence is far from conclusive. And then lastly, there's ghrelin, which is primarily secreted by the stomach and other parts of the intestinal tract, as well as in the brain, in response to hunger when the stomach is empty. Ghrelin enhances the effects of growth hormone releasing hormone and promotes additional growth hormone secretion from the pituitary gland. But again, when somatostatin levels are high, this effect is greatly diminished. Ghrelin receptor activation stimulates growth hormone release, increases hunger. This is a known side effect of ghrelin receptor agonists. Uh, ghrelin receptor agonism also modulates glucose and lipid metabolism, regulates gastrointestinal motility and secretion of gastric juices, protects neuronal and cardiovascular cells, and even regulates the immune system. All right, with the basic human biology out of the way, how can we optimize growth hormone production and secretion with growth hormone secretagogues? Let's break it down according to the specific receptors. And these are the following growth hormone releasing hormone receptor agonists. We have CJC, which stands for Conjuchem 1295, which is probably the drug number of that developing company. No drug affinity complex, that's what DAC stands for. We have a dosages ranging between 150 micrograms to 300 micrograms administered subcutaneously up to three times daily. But if you want less injection frequency, I would go with CJC1295 with the drug affinity complex, which allows for once per week administrations between one milligram to two milligrams subcutaneous one time weekly. There's somatorelin, 150 micrograms to 300 micrograms subcutaneous up to three times daily. There's sermorelin, 250 micrograms to 500 micrograms subcutaneous up to three times daily. And tesamorelin, one milligram to two milligrams subcutaneous up to three times daily. That being said, most people would use a growth hormone releasing hormone receptor agonist maybe once or twice per day in combination with a ghrelin receptor agonist, either growth hormone releasing peptide 2, GHRP2, also known as promorelin, 150 micrograms to 300 micrograms subcutaneously up to three times daily, or growth hormone releasing peptide 6, GHRP6, 100 micrograms to 200 micrograms subcutaneously up to three times daily, exomorelin, also known as hexomorelin, 100 micrograms to 150 micrograms subcutaneous up to three times daily, Ipomorelin, 150 micrograms to 300 micrograms subcutaneously, up to three times daily, and MK677, better known as ibutamorin, 20 milligrams to 30 milligrams orally, once daily before bed. So let's break it down by the administration route. We have a boatload of injectable growth hormone secretagogues. That's GHRP2, GHRP6, exomorelin, ipomorelin, CJC1295 with or without DAC, Somatorelin, Sermorelin, and Tessamorelin, and the only orally bioavailable growth hormone secretagogues are MK677, ever so popular, 
and NN703, also known as Tabi Morellen, which seems to be unavailable and apparently acts as a cytochrome P453A4 enzyme inhibitor. So it might enhance the effects of other performance-enhancing drugs or medications by inhibiting their breakdown. Out of all of these, the most popular combination seems to be either CJC1295 with the drug affinity complex and MK677, probably because you only need one administration per week, one to two milligrams of CJC1295 with DAC uh, over the weekend, let's say, and then you can take oral MK677 before bed every single day of the week and get enhanced growth hormone secretion. And for all of the guys who are not afraid of doing injections, the masculine men amongst us, they seem to prefer a combination of tessamorelin and ipermorelin, maybe injected once, twice, or even three times per day. And besides stacking all of these growth hormone secretagogues together, let's have a look at the evidence-based methods to enhance and optimize growth hormone levels beyond normal endogenous production. We can improve our sleep quality, high-intensity aerobic and resistance training. And with resistance training, it seems that growth hormone response is enhanced by pre-workout essential amino acids, creatine monohydrates, taurine, and caffeine. I'll link the study down below balanced sex hormones and neurosteroids, particularly testosterone, estrogens, and DHEA has a modulating effect on growth hormone secretion. Glucagon modulates growth hormone secretion. Stress management, the same. There's amino acid supplementation, arginine, ornithine, lysine, glycine, glutamine, and leucine. And it appears that ornithine and lysine has a synergistic effect with arginine. And it's the arginine that they can actually blunt somatostatin release. So if you go to bed with a uh, full stomach and you know that somatostatin levels are high, but you still want to dose your MK677 or other growth hormone secretagogues that activate the ghrelin receptor, um, it would be wise to supplement with 5,000 to uh, 10,000 milligrams arginine, potentially in combination with 2,000 to 10,000 milligrams ornithine and 1,000 milligrams to 3,000 milligrams lysine to blunt somatostatin release somewhat and still get high growth hormone levels throughout the night. Melatonin supplementation is known to enhance growth hormone secretion between 5 milligrams to 100 milligrams before bed. GABA supplementation, 500 milligrams to 3,000 milligrams before bed. Creatine monohydrate supplementation, 3,000 milligrams to 5,000 milligrams daily, preferably pre-workout like was shown in the scientific evidence linked down below. Intermittent fasting, one meal per day, fasting after 4 p.m. in the evening, going to bed hungry, reducing somatostatin levels, or full fasting, all minimize somatostatin levels and enhance growth hormone secretion. Adequate protein intake, micronutrient sufficiency, low refined sugar intake, low glycemic index, and low food for dinner, minimal alcohol consumption, healthy body weight, proper hydration, there's some scientific evidence that clonidine solo or nicotine solo or in combination enhances growth hormone releasing hormone pulses throughout the day. Propanol inhibits somatostatin release similar to arginine. And then there's D-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitors, which prevent the breakdown of growth hormone releasing hormone and potentially growth hormone secretagogue peptides as well. So not MK677, but all of the injectable peptides might undergo metabolism by D-peptidyl peptidase 4, which are found on the cell membrane of most of the cells in your body. And if you inhibit those enzymes, you prevent the breakdown of the growth hormone secretagogue peptides, which you just injected, potentially increasing its half-life and thus increasing its growth hormone secreting effects. 
Here are some of the commonly used D-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitors. I'll just put them on the screen. Um, you have to do some additional research because most of these don't have clear scientific evidence that prove that the growth hormone levels go up with prolonged use of these medications, right? It's not found in a medical insert. Side effect, increased growth hormone levels. That's not part of it, but there is some scientific evidence that shows that some of these are known to increase growth hormone levels by inhibiting growth hormone-releasing hormone breakdown and potentially, again, a growth hormone secreted GOG peptide breakdown. And keep in mind that D-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitors also prevent the breakdown of other growth factors, including angiopoietin, epidermal growth factor, erythropoietin, fibroblast growth factor 1 to 23, glial cell line-derived neurotropic factor, growth hormone-releasing hormone, which is what we're after, hepatocyte growth factor, insulin, insulin-like growth factor 1 and 2, so that's also what we're after, right? Higher growth hormone levels and thus higher IGF-1 levels downstream. Mechano growth factor, myostatin, brain-derived neurotropic factor, nerve growth factor, thrombopoietin, vascular endothelial growth factor, and many, many other growth factors. So please do additional research if you want to go with the DPPI route. And to kind of emphasize what you should avoid while trying to maximize growth hormone output while running growth hormone secretagogues, um, circulating growth hormone and IGF-1 levels are known to um, cause a negative feedback for further growth hormone secretion. So there's no real way around that because IGF-1, um, while using growth hormone secretagogues, might be elevated for, let's say, up to 36 hours. So you can't uh, mitigate those effects. Somatostatin obviously um, can blunt a growth hormone secretion even when GHRH or ghrelin receptor agonism is in place. Um, so you have to go hungry at certain periods of time when you administer at least ghrelin receptor agonists, further increasing your hunger um, and, and also uh, enhancing your growth hormone secretion, which is what you're after. Hyperglycemia might blunt growth hormone secretion. Free fatty acids in the bloodstream might blunt growth hormone secretion, but this effect you can inhibit by taking nicotinic acid, niacin, vitamin B3, uh, albeit that, that scientific evidence has been performed with intravenous administration. So um, don't go hyperglycemic and don't have so much fat in your bloodstream and growth hormone secretion should be optimized. Benzodiazepines has a negative effect on growth hormone secretion and so does baclofen, uh, glucocorticoids, whether that's endogenously produced or exogenously administered. There is some scientific evidence that dihydrotestosterone DHT might reduce growth hormone releasing hormone pulse peaks, but I can't find any scientific evidence that these results are observed with dihydrotestosterone derivatives. So uh, maybe primobolin, winsterol, anivar, etc. can also reduce growth hormone releasing hormone peaks to the point a growth hormone secretion is not fully optimized. Uh, the scientific evidence is reasonably thin, and since testosterone, estrogens, and DHEA can augment and enhance growth hormone secretion, I wouldn't worry about it too much. And insulin and phenothiazines have a blunting effect on growth hormone secretion. Keep in mind that methylene blue is a derivative of phenothiazine, but I can't find any scientific evidence that methylene blue has a negative effect on serum growth hormone levels or growth hormone secretion in general. So if you want to use methylene blue for cognitive enhancing benefits or to upregulate mitochondrial function, please proceed ahead. So if all of this sounds cumbersome and expensive, why don't we take exogenous growth hormone two IUs per administration, maybe once, twice, or three times per day? You might be able to get more of a result for the amount of money that you spent on two IUs of growth hormone compared to all of these over-the-counter supplements and particular methods alongside 
two growth hormone secreted gogs in combination regarding your serum growth hormone levels and serum IGF-1 levels, right? Ultimately, it matters how much money you spend and how much of a result you get. Because, well, if growth hormone levels and IGF-1 levels decline with age, how much of a beneficial effect do you expect to get stacking all of these things together um, if you're old like I am. I don't expect so much results from growth hormone secretagogues and thus I go with true pharmaceutical exogenous growth hormone instead. Let's have a look at the clinical reference ranges for growth hormone. For males, that's between 0.4 to 10 nanograms per milliliter. And for females, that's between 1 to 14 nanograms per milliliter for male and female adults. Unfortunately, I can't really find what the um, decline of serum growth hormone levels are for men and women by age group. All I was able to find was this study performed by Hirsch et al. titled Growth Hormone Releasing Hormone and Growth Hormone Secretagogues in Normal Aging, Fountain of Youth or Pool of Tantalus. Uh, if we scroll down, you see here that this study shows that there's an exponential rate of decline of growth hormone secretion, peaking at 150 micrograms per kilogram of body weight per day during puberty, and uh, that declines to one-sixth of that by the age of 55, declining to 25 micrograms per kilogram of body weight per day. So let's say you finish puberty at the age of, what, 15 years old, and then over the next 40 years, growth hormone secretion reduces by 85%. me. All right, so this is why we have exogenous growth hormone to kind of complement the deficiency of growth hormone as you age. Uh, the decline was most observed during the nighttime growth hormone secretion, where growth hormone secretion pulses throughout the day don't decline as much with age. And when we look at serum IGF-1 levels, we see clear clinical reference ranges by age. I'll put them on the screen. So uh, with males up until you're, let's say, uh, 18 years old, right, uh, right around the time puberty finishes, serum IGF-1 levels steadily decline. And it's the same with females. Up until the age of 18, uh, serum IGF-1 levels are pretty high and then slowly but surely decline uh, up until they're 80 years old. So how much growth hormone secretion do you expect from growth hormone secretagogues plus all of these practices in place when you're old as Not much. Not much, I can tell you that. Otherwise, otherwise... Yours truly would be megadosing growth hormone secretagogues plus all of the best practices every single day. But instead, I'm on 2.4 IU's exogenous growth hormone and my serum growth hormone levels and my serum IGF-1 levels are far higher compared to any growth hormone secretagogue protocol I've ever used in my life. And I've tried a couple of them to kind of see what the effects would be. But of course, that's anecdotally for myself and myself alone. Your mileage might vary. You might get a lot more positive outcome compared to what I got from growth hormone secretagogues. I mean, I just gave you all of the information to make this work as best as possible to your own heart's desire. Right, so here's your homework. Go put it to work. Put it to practice, report back in a month to fuel the algorithm and let us all know how much growth hormone output increased by incorporating some of the practices which we discussed right here. You can do your blood work over at Merrick Health. If you live in the United States, check your growth hormone levels before incorporating some of these practices and check your growth hormone afterwards and might as well check your serum IGF-1 levels while you're at it. And otherwise, go by the mirror, take your before and after pictures, run the experiment, see if you filled out, if you leaned up, if the wrinkles in your face filled in as well. So now you look more youthful, your nails and your hair start growing a lot faster. 
um, because that's also very solid indications that the growth hormone levels are somewhat elevated. Let's leave it here. Thank you guys so much for watching. You can find everything that I'm associated with down below in the YouTube description section. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Vigor Steve, Vigorous Crew. You guys know what to do. That's all exogenous growth hormone and exogenous IGF-1. Um, I don't expect results, cannons like this from growth hormone secretagogues. But um, again, if you do get those results, uh, post those pictures on Instagram and tag me. I would love to see it. Maybe you can change my mind. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'll see you in the next one.